the smell of napalm in the morning. Thank you, first blood. I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Uh, that's right. Hello, everyone. This is your favorite Vietnam War through film podcast, Napalm in the Morning. Uh, we're uh, today we're gonna discuss the iconic Full Metal Jacket, uh, and with me in studio, well, not actually in studio, in in spirit, quarantined, uh, Doctor. Matt Yeagle. Hey, Matt. How you doing over there? Surviving? Hey. From my basement in Sycamore, yes. We His are, heavily secluded uh, COVID are. bunker. A co-worker told me Matt wouldn't even come to the tennis court to, uh, to, to, to stand six feet through fences. <laughs> that so is true. He's taking it serious. And uh, the, also... Those tennis, in the those tennis courts are, are coated with uh, <laughs> virus, so I'm staying away. I am quarantining in the Rocky Mountain West. Uh, I'm in Wyoming, and uh, with quarantine me is the, cowboy. the quarantine cowboy. With me is our new uh, our new tech roadie, uh, Mr. Troy Fisher. Hello, Professor Jones. <laughs> Troy is uh, Troy is a, uh, a Vietnam War buff and uh, and a gun buff, and he knows a lot about a lot of things. And just uh, buff, pretty much. And he's and he's buff. Uh, he knows a lot about a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll add that that Troy is wearing a. Full Metal Jacket T-shirt, which he didn't have to purchase; he already owned, and a, a Vietnam hat. He's been how many countries have you been to? Very Troy? nice. I'm breaking thirty. Breaking yeah. thirty. Yeah, Troy's a Troy's an epic traveler, more than me. Um, and uh, yeah, so for Full Excellent. Metal Jacket, um, for a lot of Gen X, is such as myself, it is maybe the first film about Vietnam that you saw that was produced in your in sort of our prime. You know, uh, in influential years, um, the entree. I mean, your parents may have served in Vietnam. We knew many people that served, but uh, this this film had a big big impact. Uh, comes out what year, Matt? So the film the film is released uh, in 1987. Kubrick is as far back as 1980 is kind of mulling the idea of a film based on Vietnam. Uh, he's kind of looking at at some different ideas on on kind of what direction he wants to go in. And it's not till he uh, discovers and reads the, the kind of short war novel, uh, The Short Timers by Gustav Hosford, um, that kind of inspires Kubrick uh, that this might be um, kind of the framework for a good film. The book is broken down into three sort of sections. Um, and Kubrick kind of mostly, for the most part, takes the first two. One kind of focused on boot camp, and the second focused uh, on uh, events surrounding kind of the Tet Offensive. Uh, and, and he sticks to that as, as kind of his plan for how he's going to make this film. Okay, we're going to put Troy on the spot here. Troy, uh, I, I might also add that uh, we'll give a parental warning. Troy is running the ox cable. So uh, he's uh, he's throwing his curveballs, and Matt and I are... Uh, we're we're being the the pros that we are. We've uh, no no clue them. what is coming at any point here. Yeah, 
Hey, what's a, what's a full metal jacket, Troy? That is a fully cased bullet. That's not the whole bullet. That's the, 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 the projectile. projectile that comes out of the gun. So 7.62 full metal jacket is a 30 caliber bullet. And that what are they what are they using those uh, what are they what are they shooting that evolves also over over the course of the sixties what are they full metal jackets are being used in the well it's a NATO so you 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 have to use full metal jacket it's a NATO cartridge so from World War One on up they used thirty out six which was again was a thirty caliber bullet on up to and then three oh eight seven point six two by fifty one is the um, caliber for Vietnam and the M fourteen rifle. Troy is a doctor in, Sorry uh, about that. in the gun class. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too serious there. Sorry about that. <laughs> he bl- I blacked out for a minute. Yeah. Sorry about that. Charlie hit the wire. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, so the the full metal jacket is refers to the, of course to the to the to the, the, the bullets in the war and um, and uh, the, the the film, among other things, it it introduces us to um, the certainly the most iconic. Sort of drill sergeant uh, trope that that we will ever see and sort of sets right. a, sets a bar pretty right. high. Good old uh, Arlie Army, yeah, playing oh, yeah. Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. What is your major malfunction, numbnuts? Yeah, so that's pretty <laughs> vanilla. For uh, hit, hit us hit us with something a little more salty, Troy. All right. Here we'll give your rifle a girl's name. Because this is the only pussy you people are going to get. Your days of finger-banging old Mary Jane Rottencrotch through her pretty pink panties <laughs> are over. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's 2 and 11. Was, was that good enough for you? <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't. Out of context, it is. Um, it's, it's, it can be pretty funny. In, in context of the film, um, you're, not, you're not laughing a ton when you're, when you're seeing this. Um, and, and I should say we're we're introduced in the film when when uh, Sergeant Harmon is is chewing people's asses out um, that uh, the, right. the, the protagonist in the film um, Matthew Modine, aka Joker, uh, starts laughing, and then um, uh, I think Troy does a pretty good uh, Duke impression. What yes, is that you, John Wayne? <laughs> is this me? <laughs> So <laughs> that was wow, good. It's like a back. It's like a back in uh, Green Berets. Yeah, so um, yeah, uh, he's he he laughs at the sergeant. He days. comes in and uh, chases them down, and um, and uh, he takes the, he takes the heat for the for the squad, and um, and so the the, the well, the, and he gets the, film, a the first brief beating for it too. Yeah, doesn't he punch him? Yes, yes. Slaps and punches him a few times. Right, maybe right. Maybe has some good maybe has some good words. Um uh uh some some good uh uh colorful anecdotes. There's no shortage. Um but as we're in a lot of uh Vietnam war films or 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 war films you'll get like the, you know, marching around um kind of, you know, stock footage almost B-roll. Um you'll get you'll hear this in uh in in Full right. Metal Jacket. You had best unfuck yourself, or I will unscrew your head and shut down your neck. Yeah, so um, we'll have a little. We'll have a little special taste uh, later on. But uh, I have a I have a friend and family member actually who is a, who is an who is a real drill sergeant. Uh, yeah. In the military, and so this this film um, 
has to be referenced as a as a point of what you're actually not allowed to say, <laughs> what you're because it's it's it it defines uh, what a drill sergeant should be. Uh, what you did some reading on this, Matt, right? Right. Yeah. Well, it's for a period of time. I mean, you know, you people are seeing this in the late '80s, and then they're you know joining up. They're thinking, well, this is what I'm going. This is what I'm in for, right? There, these these recruits are kind of expecting this sort of. Uh, relationship with their with the drill sergeant and the drill sergeants for a period of time at least are sort of you know willing to oblige them um, that over time that changes and um, you know I think that's moderated quite a bit um, nowadays but um, right for a while his framework is kind of the framework for a drill sergeant to a degree <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, this this film again um and and yeah, you know, Stanley Kubrick. Um, yeah, where where does this? Where would you rate this, Matt? In uh, in his sort of uh, in his um, backyard, deep deep canon of film. Um, some of those Kubrickian, is if that's a word that I just invented. Um, camera shots are are very prevalent in this film, which which I totally love. Kind of those slow pans, like as somebody's kind of walking maybe down a narrow hallway is kind of that's our first introduction to Hartman and and the and the group here right is him kind of the slow walk down camera slowly moving with him um you see that all over The Shining uh for sure and a lot of uh, other Kubrick films and it's just those how he chooses to film stuff really sets this uh movie apart from some other movies about Vietnam um yeah he's he's a master at that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's it's just visually stunning to watch and to and to see Tipe. So they're on they're on um, Paris Island, South Carolina, at uh, the Marine boot camp, and uh, we're we're introduced to a couple of characters. Um, so this is our this is one Holy of the other main characters. Jesus. What is that? What the fuck is that? Sir, jelly donut, sir. A jelly donut? Sir, yes, sir. How did it get here? Sir, I took it from the mess hall, sir. Is Chow allowed in the barracks, Private Pie? Sir, no, sir. Are you allowed to eat jelly donuts, Private Pie? Sir, no, sir. And why not, Private Pie? Sir, because I'm too heavy, sir. Because you are a disgusting fat body, Private Pile. So, yeah, so, so, Pile and, um, and, uh. Yeah, and that comes from, that's Andy Griffith, right? Um. Gomer Pyle, the character that he's referenced, he's kind of this inept. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and it turns into a kind of a spin-off show that where he's in the military, and it's so out of touch in the late sixties. Jim Neighbors is yeah, he's not even mentioned. Pyle. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that is yeah, he, that's he's the reference. he's he's slow. Um, Private Pyle is mm-hmm. is slow for sure, and uh, you know this is it's tough to tell in the timeline of the film. We'll, without without giving too many spoilers, we're Tet Offensive is part of the part of the film, so we know this boot camp is before January sixty eight. So these are these are these are people who are being drafted into the war. So people like Pyle are being called up, and uh, yeah, not all of them will, <laughs> willing or a, or able. Um, and so and so, uh, Modine Joker and and Pyle, uh, he's he's kind of put as his watch, right? He's made his. His supervisor. Uh, can I can I throw in maybe my first introduction actually to this movie? Um, 
yeah came came when i was uh a i was probably a freshman in high school and i was accosted by an upperclassman in the hallways who sort of pinned me up against a locker for no reason i had no idea who this person was and gave me the line i will poke out your eyeballs and skull fuck you to me um <laughs> and i had no okay. idea what the hell they were talking about um and it was sort of you know a little odd and freaky but uh later when i saw the film i was like oh that's what that guy was talking about <laughs> that's where he got that from so yeah that was yeah. probably my as 14 i uh, probably my first you interaction you unfuck yourself or i will unscrew your head and get <laughs> down your neck yeah something like that i, I imagine this is like for a yeah. template for bullies like yeah this is like the soundtrack to your you know uh yeah this is a this <laughs> this is a great one um would did, were, Matt, were you like private pile? Did you have to march behind the uh, the group, sucking your thumb with your pants we, around your ankles? No, we were not doing any marching. I this was you know this is life in life in Hinsdale, you know, and kiss. Yeah, yeah. You know Matt Hinsdale, basically went to Ferris me, Bueller's high school. So yeah, give me the collective uh, eye roll for all you listeners that know what Hinsdale, Illinois, is actually like, because <laughs> I I I'm doing it with you. Um, <laughs> yes, so. <laughs> So the, 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 the Joker, you know, Davis slash Modine is assigned a squad leader over pile and tutors him and is put to, I think, um, um, as Hart, Sergeant, Drill Sergeant would say, like, you can make a Marine out of this man. They're, you know, they're really trying to, right. um, uh, he thinks he has, uh, um, he has him in, 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 uh, in, in good stead. Well, uh, the, not only does this set the, this the tone for, like, Drill Sergeant, but, like, um, in a lot of Vietnam films, like if again referencing Green Beret, we would have had like one twentieth of the film would have been set in this sort of pre-departure phase, and then um, the rest of the movie would take place in country. This a full a full uh, half or forty percent yeah about piece, forty right, forty percent yeah 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 in so boot camp is a major part of the and it's interesting because it it um, and again uh. uh Talking to this family member, like there's a there's a there's a psychological preparedness that happens with boot camp that is that is important for sort of um, making a soldier, and so that that doesn't happen overnight. And this film really does a does a good job of of you know I don't know the accuracy is. And I said is he said yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> they all they all sleep in a giant room on bunk beds with no separation, no walls. It's it's a it's a right. lot like that, right. And um, so uh, an- another iconic scene, a kind of a, a pretty, I remember this like, I mean, traumatic maybe is too, is it too much of an exaggeration, but I remember watching the scene where, so Pyle is, he's slow and he's screwing up all the time, right? He's, he's, he's not doing what he should. He um, uh, doesn't have the right answers. He can't do his calisthenics. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they go code red. Blanket party. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, they, uh, in the night, they creep up on, uh, private pile, pin well, him to his after, mattress. Um, yeah, the Hartman has said, I'm not going to punish you pile anymore because it's not doing any yeah. good. So I'm going to punish everyone else. So they're all having to do, you know, 30 push-ups, push-ups every time and, he yeah. screws up or whatever. And so after a period of time, right, they all kind of break. Um, and that music, that sort of sinister like really kind of low hum almost in the background as this scene is starting is um is just totally makes it 
that much more intense. Yeah, and another Kubrick hallmark. His daughter actually did that 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 uh, soundtrack there. The the back. Oh, kind of the. Yeah. Oh, nice, interesting. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's so it's you can you can really tell like that. Um, the 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 kind of this this is more art than a um that artful than some of the films we will we will watch and review. Um. Yeah. The the scene at that scene when um you know he's pinned down and everyone's kind of taking their swing at him. You kind of at the end, it's kind of on Joker. Like, is he going to do it too? And you kind of have this Joker is, you know, sort of allied to try to help Pyle, but is he gonna is he gonna join in? You know, and there's that moment where you're not really sure, and Pyle kind of looks over at him, and Joker does it right and does it multiple times, and that that sort of seems like a a breaking point there for uh, Pyle. Or, and for Joker, like you're right, he he is put in charge of him to make a to make a soldier out of him, and he he participates in this um, unsanctioned um, beating um, right. of 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 Pyle, and, and the next day um, Pyle is there and has the thousand yard stare information. So you can see that he's definitely yeah traumatized yeah. and changed. Um, and so so. Time elapses, more marching, more... Uh, you climb obstacles like old people fuck! You know that private pile! <laughs> oh, wow. I resemble those remarks. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, he, he, we're, we're treated to a lot of Hartman running and screaming at, uh, at, at Pyle. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite scenes, I don't know why this tickled my funny bone so much, but they're, uh, you know, a, a great Kubrick panning shot, and they're... Hartman's walking down, and they're they're all singing "Happy Birthday, uh, Happy Birthday to You," and "Happy Birthday, Birth- dear right. Jesus," and uh, you know you can see that they're. Um, uh, although I do found I did find out that uh, now they have to the soldiers will have to go home um, for Christmas break, even in even even in even in boot camp. So, God has a hard on for Marines. He says, "You can give your heart to Jesus, but your ass belongs to the Corps." <laughs> Yeah, and then I like. There's also uh, it has to be tongue in cheek. They go Chaplain Charlie. There's which of course Charlie Chaplin. But the, you know you go you can go see Chaplain Charlie <laughs> <laughs> for uh, yeah some some great some great writing in this movie. Um, and uh, and then um, let's see the 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 one of the one of the real troubling sort of parts of this movie um, is the. Uh, the pivotal scene, uh, Pyle is seems like he's he's you know he, everyone gets their orders, you know which uh, which rifle company they're going to be in. Uh, Joker finds out he's going to be um, uh, a newspaperman. Um, he's going to go right. and report for Stars and Stripes. And kind of um, right before this, there was a breakthrough for Pyle as he like excels on the rifle range, and that's sort of the first time he's yeah. acknowledged by Hartman as like, "Hey, n- nice job," you know. Um, you actually did it, um, and then kind of right after that, go ahead. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched this, I thought like, "Oh, phew, um, he's gonna like, it's gonna be a success story for Pyle. He's gonna like be the, you know, and he's and he's a big hunk of man. Like he's a, you know, he, if that guy were had a brain, he'd be a a fighting machine." Um, yeah, coming up Pyle, on graduation. Um, let me get this quote in yeah. real quick from Modine from Joker. Um, yeah. The Marine Corps does not want robots. The Marine Corps wants killers. The Marine Corps wants to 
build indestructible men, men without fear. So that idea that they just want to build these mindless killing machines is, um, you know, this movie talks about that, how, you know, that's not true, right? They want them to be able to react and think and adapt in, in the field. Um, so, you know, this boot camp training is, is kind of getting at that sort of idea, too. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so, uh, re- really, at Erie, and, and I, I think one of the most, um, you know, sort of arresting scenes in the, in the entire movie, and, and, in, and in film, it's because it's so shocking, is um, uh, Joker is on, Joker's on patrol. He's walking around the barracks. Um, yeah, and, uh, he's got fire watch. He goes last in, he, night on the island. Go- yeah, right, last night on the island. Um, he goes into the latrine. And uh, it's again a classic open like um, no dividers between stalls. There's and there's private pile sitting uh, on a toilet um, with a crazed look in his eyes, armed with uh, full metal jacket rounds. He said, "You know, pile in, in in the in in the movie or in the boot camp scenes. They're you know they're they're taught to sort of you know you give your gun a name." You know, um, you describe it, and and pile is kind of, kind of we're fetishizing the gun um, while talking about it, and uh, loading those loading those rounds, um, and he starts he starts screaming. Pile does um, with his gun and waking everyone up, uh, including the drill sergeant. Yeah, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine, etc. Right. Right. This is my rifle. This is my gun. This is for fighting. Yeah. This is for fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, the uh, you know Hartman confronts Pyle, you know, screaming at him, and and uh, uh, Joker informs him like the uh, uh, I have a duty to 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 inform you that those are those are um, fully loaded rounds uh, in the chamber. Is that what he says? Li- live it? rounds. Live rounds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. In yeah. the in the chamber. And um, uh, Hartman walks towards Pyle, and and Pyle shoots him right in the chest. Um, Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! Your favorite uh, drill sergeant um, buys it, and then um, then he turns the gun on um, on Modine, and uh, who is truly terrified. They're faced uh, at, yeah. at uh, rifle point, and um, yeah, you can see that then, in his eyes um, really well there. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a it's a it's a great scene, and um, uh, Pyle instead turns the gun on himself and the rifle on himself and shoots himself in the head, and uh, that is the end of that is the end of Pyle. So act, it's a, act one, right there. Yeah, that's yep. that's right. Um, and then suddenly we're suddenly we're in Vietnam. Um, you know, we're transported. So we're 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 whisked away, smash cut to we're in Da Nang. We are in Vietnam, and we're actually we're not in Vietnam. We're in a soundstage in uh, or an outdoor soundstage in London. Um, yeah, this is all shot. filmed almost within thirty miles of his house. I, I saw so. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 interestingly, uh, in in the previous episode, listeners will know Matt and I get a lot of mileage out of making fun of uh, how terrible the scenes look in Green Berets when they're in in Georgia. And it's supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be Vietnam. Uh, f- for London, this it's incredible how uh, they go to great lengths. It was an old gas yeah. plant that was going to be destroyed, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. It was they 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 recreate an entire a massive live set and mm-hmm. and palm trees. They, they, they yeah, like hundred thousand of them imported from Spain. I think <laughs> um, trees. In my head, I'm like, why are they not going to just friggin' the Philippines and okay. <laughs> Kubrick didn't want to leave home, you know. I guess okay, well. I don't know. Guess if you're Stanley F. And he's the reclusive genius. Don't question him. Come on. <clears throat> okay, right, right, right. So smash cut. We're in Da Nang. We're in Vietnam, um, and we're treated to 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 an iconic scene. Another one that will find its way across popular culture. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Troy, uh, hit it. What do we oh get God. for ten dollars? <laughs> Everything you want. So yeah. So this is one of the awkward. Um, uh, exchanges with with sex workers in in Vietnam, and uh, oh, we're tra- oh, thanks, right? Now we're treated to one of the ways that that scene uh, is repeated in. Uh, where did this is uh, this is two life crew? Two life crew. Yeah. Two life crew. Where else is where else is the show? Don't pretend you don't know. Baby got back. Sir mix a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, that's right. That's uh, true. Your nearest frat house. I'm sure you could hear it being uttered. Um, yeah, yeah, over right, over right. Again, this so. is like. The the, right. the hilarious karaoke song that uh, uh, everyone wants to, everyone wants to wants to sing it. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the 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 negotiation with the uh, sex worker between Modine and his friend, um, and a pickpocket steals the camera, and you kind yeah. of have this like, you know, oh, I don't know how to describe it. Kind of this oh those those um, you know plucky Vietnamese kind of uh, um, scene. It's kind of a... This film does not do a great job. It really doesn't even... There there aren't even cardboard caricatures of the Vietnamese in this movie. There's sort of a a scene at the end, but yeah, it doesn't even... um, Maybe that's his way of avoiding um, uh, mischaracterizing him. He just doesn't even... (laughs) They no, the only ones are really you get brief introductions to, you know, an Arvin officer who's, you know, later in the film bringing another prostitute in. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, really, these are about the only Vietnamese characters. And a sniper, uh, well, spoil later yep. on, who mm-hmm. we don't we don't, we don't really know in any way. No. Um, so uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's it's really about the life of the um, the, the sort of second act here is is. The Stars and Stripes, sort of the 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 journalism war room in uh, uh, at, in on base at at Da Nang, um, and uh, we're we join a military staff meeting, a new newspaper staff meeting, where they're um, talking about ideas um, for new stories, uh, new um, new leads that anyone has. Um. Yeah, Joker says, "Hey, you know, I've heard." that the Tet ceasefire might get canceled. And oh. that had been uh, traditionally, you know, it's kind of Lunar New Year in, in Vietnam, traditionally had been a ceasefire in years prior, um, agreed to, kind of agreed to by both sides. Um, and Joker says, you know, he's heard uh, that maybe that's not, not the case this, this time around. For a for a deep deep dive into this exact topic, we'll give a little commercial shout out to Spies, Lies, and Secret Wars, a podcast by uh, Tommy Brown and Dan McCoy, who go into this exact episode on Tet. The the um, the actually the CIA knew a lot about Tet, and th- though there were 
um, there were lots of signs for the, for those with the sort of ears to ears to hear about uh, a major offensive around the country, um, but uh, but the military didn't really didn't really know that or, or didn't want to know that, and so uh, this is a nod. This is a nod to that. Yeah, or it definitely didn't expect. I mean, we can get into this when we talk about in more detail about the context, but was not expecting what actually came. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. But I think they knew s- there were things that were, you know, large masses of troops gathering. This th- this sort of thing was known. Yeah, that's right. So a uh, this squad of combat journalists from Stars and Stripes, they're, um, they're in, in today's parlance, we're, uh, we're, they're being asked to report fake news, right? They're, <laughs> they're saying, like, look, we need... The, the especially so the the um what what is the stars and stripes map maybe for our listeners i'm assuming that everyone knows so that, that's kind of the the paper that they would read in country um and the two stories the, to, the, the, to sol- the soldiers themselves right 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 yeah sorry so the uh here here are the t- from the from the script of the film here um Quote, two basic stories here. Grunts who give their pay to buy gooks, toothbrushes, and deodorants. Winning of hearts and minds, okay? And combat action that results in a kill. Winning the war, end quote. So those are the two types of stories that they are allowed to write about. And, um, you know, from my kind of, you know, kind of looking into this a little deeper, that seems pretty accurate on kind of the stories that were uh, actually reported about in Stars and Stripes, right? How would you say the difference between you know the that Vietnam is such a, a turning point in terms of journalism, um, where you have embedded journalists uh, from around the uh, around the United States that are that are reporting on the war and are are giving a um, a very stark version of events? Like, wh- wh- how would you you know a bit about this, Matt? How would you represent the the military's own journalism versus the journalism that um, people are watching at their nightly news? Well, they're playing right. They're writing for a specific audience, um, and th- and that audience is kind of the troops on the ground. So, right, morale want to ma- maintain that high. And if you report bad stories to these soldiers that are reading it, um, that might not have uh, access to the Times or what have you, um, right? That in theory, right, that could that could hurt morale. So it's it's totally different than these um, you know s- newspapers that are. Sending sending reporters over there in in pretty large numbers, and that are rep, you know out in the field reporting on all this stuff, um, and you're turning turning into your nightly news report, six o'clock news with Cronkite, uh, and seeing visuals of what's happening, and that's not always lining up with what you're hearing from, um, you know, Robert McNamara or whoever. So we're g- we're gonna shortly we're gonna hit the sort of the Tet Offensive, which is a sort of a, a major turning point in the war um, itself. But uh, since we're on the topic of journalism, maybe it's a good idea to the, the con- so think of think of what Matt said about the kind of things the soldiers are being asked to report on, and then um, uh, the kind of reporting. Uh, uh, Engineer Troy, do you have a do you have a clip from Cronkite you are for correct, us? Sir. To say that we are closer to victory today is to believe, in the face of the evidence, the optimists who have been wrong in the past. To suggest we are on the edge of defeat is to yield to unreasonable pessimism. To say that we are mired in stalemate seems the only realistic 
if unsatisfactory conclusion. On the off chance that military and political analysts are right, in the next few months we must test the enemy's intentions in case this is indeed his last big gasp before negotiations. But it is increasingly clear to this report that the only rational way out then will be to negotiate, not as victims, but as an honorable... So, um, Matt, uh, what was, why was the Tet Offensive so, well, I guess, what, what was it and why was it so uh, transformative? Sure, so this, um, in the film, it's going to kind of start right after that scene we just discussed. Um, so this is, like, right at the end of January, January 31, 1968, and it's a massive um, NLF or Viet Cong offensive uh, against cities in the South, but it's also you know, at the same time, a massive offensive of North Vietnamese regular forces, okay? So this is, as I... every They're throwing every kitchen sink at the... Yeah, so this is, as I said before, right, people are actually seeing this, you know, on TV every night. Um, they are the takeover of the American embassy in Saigon, however brief it may have been, um, is quite symbolic, right, uh, of kind of the disconnect between what people are seeing and what they've been hearing from uh, leaders. Um, and we should say that, that coming, up to, coming up to this point, you know, the, the military had been, had been saying, like, look, and, and, and the president and the um, army chief of staff, that look, these are, um, we're winning this war, um, progress is being made, you know, body count. We're, we're really Light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. Yeah, so 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 this is the the like like look you know yeah you have these reporters who are maybe um, telling you another story, but really we're really winning this war on on all the fronts and it's mm -hmm. it's heading our direction. And then uh, the Tet Offensive, which uh, uh, which is which is uh, sort of happens right at this at this this great scene um, on on the base when Modine is there. Uh, he he and the other reporters they run to their bunkers and. Um, yeah. They 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 light it up. Troy, what are they firing there? There were uh, it's an M60. I think it's in uh, seven six two by fifty one, um, and uh, fifty one fifty two whatever it takes. Whatever yeah. you know, two twenty two ten whatever. Exact. Yeah, and this is this is quite different. I mean, this had this war had been a jungle war for the most part up until Tet, and this is um, kind of a. A designed mass attack on almost every uh, city with any or village that had any significant population in South right. Vietnam and, and American bases. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is happening everywhere in in the country for the most part. Um, right. The idea is that we own, we own the cities and yeah the yeah the VC and NBA have they have mm -hmm. you know they they have some of the jungles and out there but you know we really and so this 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 shows the sort of the, mm -hmm. the, the the speciousness of that sort of claim. Yeah. And a lot of this is pushed back and repelled, at, you know, after a kind of a, an initial onslaught and uh, surprise attack uh, in, in a lot of places. It is repelled. One place it is not repelled, you know, very quickly is where the rest of this film is going to take place. And that is in the imperial capital of Hue. Right, and so um, they take off. <laughs> so right, we get it. We're we're taking on a on a wild ride. <laughs> is, this, is this from the scene of the helicopter, Troy? 
Okay, so yeah, that's correct, a, wow. Uh, Troy's right on cue. We we take a helicopter flight. Oh yeah, we're headed to we're headed to Hawaii, um, and we're met with uh, uh, a door gunner um, there on the chopper ride. Um, Joker and uh, Rafterman, who is his who is his photographer, kind of puppy dogging after after Modine. Um, they're assigned to cover the aftermath of of Tet on at, at Huey, uh, the Imperial capital. Um, what's Huey like, Matt? In its best. Well, this yeah, this has this. Um, uh, so for for the North Vietnamese, it has kind of the symbolic uh, importance I- in that it is the you know old imperial capital of the country. Uh, Ho Chi Minh spent time as as a young person, as a youth there in Huey. Um, and it is kind of, it's, it's real interesting, right? It is at almost the thinnest point of the country. It takes about an hour to get from the coast to Laos by car, uh, right at, uh, right where Hue is, if you're starting at Hue. So, I mean, it's, um, if they were to succeed in taking and holding Hue, they could essentially cut the country in half. So that is why the symbolic importance of it is, you know, it's, 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 extremely high for them. Okay, we're back. Um, if you remember, we were we were left with the, the aftermath of the Tet Offensive. And, we're back? Uh, what are we back from? We're back from a, a, a <laughs> beverage a beverage break. You said, oh, okay. <laughs> Troy is... Uh, uh, how many fingers of vodka would you say you got there? Uh, <laughs> our s- whatever. Our, our sound man is. Uh, there are three Andre the Giant size fingers. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, we're the, the, the reporters from Stars and Stripes, uh, uh, Modine Joker, um, is gonna is covering the the killing of civilians by the NBA, or at least that's what's alleged. Um, and uh, he, maybe what they don't have time Definitely to do in the world building at Hawaii. What's that? Definitely, Definitely happened. happened. Yeah, right. And so there, so there, there. Um, well, at this point, it's an allegation in the in the in the movie. But yes, they're they're covering it. Um, and uh, uh, we're not re- we don't really see, but at some at something happens to Modine uh, where he is, you know, he's tr- maybe he's you know a smart boy trying to college kid trying to he's got uh, a peace symbol uh on his jacket and he's got uh, what's he got in his helmet troy killer born, born to, kill. to kill born to kill <laughs> excuse me close he's, enough he's got, that's good that's <laughs> on his on his helmet death merchant <laughs> a death merchant yeah right. yeah something yes this machine kills fascists yeah so he's it's, um, it's born to kill and so and so and he gets he gets some shit about that, um, uh, and uh, you know what what struck me is that's Th- kind let of let me give uh, you that line from the officer that's that's uh, giving him shit about yeah, yeah. that or the pin. <laughs> this is another one that I shouldn't say, but <laughs> quote: "We are here to help the Vietnamese because inside every gook there's an American trying to get out." End quote. Yes. So again, not Matthew's words and thoughts, but. Uh, no, no, no. The film, <laughs> yeah. So, but it, but it, it uh, like it remind it reminded me of like the um, at at Berkeley, like the 
the undergrads you'd see with like uh you know the, their Che Guevara Ooh, shirt Berkeley. on and 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 mean and meanwhile you know you know because you're their teaching assistant you know that they're really going to those things to try to like meet girls and not to actually <laughs> they don't actually know or care that much not all of them sorry uh, send your send your hate mail to Matt Yeagle at gmail.com. Um, so I wouldn't be caught dead at Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> so you did go to a better school. So, um, so, so the, the, uh, in this, in this, uh, is it a, what kind of factory is it, Troy? It's a munitions factory or that they take over. It was a gas plant, a gas, gas plant, right? This abandoned gas plant. That Not in the, the real uh, one. German yeah. It was sense, like this abandoned one. Right. Um, that's a, that's a, that's in a, yeah, in London, it's a, it's a, the set is, I mean, it's a, it's like a small city. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really, it's, and, and they've kind of uh, orientalized it a bit. They've put on some, like, you know, they've made kind of, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say classic Vietnamese, but, but they, they've done a better job, I will say, than, um, well, he studied, than, uh, than some other films. Some, Tons of pictures and photographs of, you know, kind of tried to copy signage. Uh, you know, so a lot of the industrial section of Hue, so Hue has kind of the Citadel area. So if you're, like, seeing, like, clips on the news in 68, a lot of that's taking place at the Citadel, which is kind of this, kind of, uh, the, you know, this place that houses an American barracks, South Vietnamese Arvin sort of barracks. Um, a lot of elite live inside the Citadel area. This is not taking place there. This is taking place in kind of a more industrialized section of the city that um, yeah. Kubrick attempted to replicate, and he did a really nice job using this kind of abandoned, in, you know, really disrepair uh, factory and, and kind of surrounding areas to recreate the sort of industrial section of the city. And in that in that imperial section, there they meet up with. Uh, he has some of his old buddies from uh, with, with Cowboy. Um, Cowboy he's reunited with with some of his squad um, in country, and so they are. And so they all go. He's going as a reporter to cover um, this yeah. urban fighting in Huey. And we're introduced to Animal Mother, who they reached out to Arnold Schwarzenegger initially to play him. Yes, so he's that sort of big man. Here we go. What are we listening to, Troy? Some animal mother right here. He's the meathead. Strong like bull, no brains, pretty much. (laughs) This is the Lust Lust Hog Squad. Here we go. What's happening? I thought I hope I never see you again, you piece of shit. What's happening, man? Oh, I'm just waiting to get back to land the big PX. Yeah? Why go back? You're there, samey same. Been getting any? Only your sister. Well, better my sister than my mom, though my mom's not bad. (laughs) Hey, you hogs, listen up. This is my bro Joker from the island, and this is Rafterman. Rafterman. 
They're from Stars and Stripes. They'll make you famous. We're the Lust Hog Squad. We're life takers and heartbreakers. We shoot them full of holes and fill them full of lead. Here comes Animal Mother. You a photographer? <laughs> no, I'm a combat correspondent. <laughs> oh, you seen much combat? <laughs> I've seen a little on TV. <laughs> Giving it back. You're a real comedian. Well, they call me the Joker. <laughs> it's a soundtrack well, I got a in the joke whole thing. For you. It's great. This is awesome. I'm gonna tear you a new asshole. <laughs> well, Pilgrim, only after you eat the peanuts out of my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you could you could hear uh, you could hear nineteen year olds. That's sort of like <laughs> that seems pretty representative. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let me throw in yeah, so um, some of the dialogue that is you know th- that it was just said in that scene. Something about uh, better than my mother than my sister or something, things like that. And some of the drill sergeant language um, is taken directly from that short timers book that Kubrick oh, the is book. kind of using as his template. So not everything is improv by Hartman or it comes from, you know, screenwriters. It is some of that stuff is from that book. Um, and that kind of comes in and out throughout the, the film. So the, so the reporters are covering this urban fighting way snipers are taking a toll and this crew is covering the action. There's a great, there's a great quote from Modine. Um, he said, you know, asking why he's there. He said, I want to see exotic Vietnam, the jewel of Southeast Asia, want to meet interesting and stimulating people and then kill them. So it's a, it's a, <laughs> that's a pretty classic quote from, uh, uh I wanted to be the first somebody. kid on my block to get a confirmed kill. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and he's, he's saying it with some sarcasm, some, put some salt on it. Like, uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, I couldn't quite tell. Is he meaning that? Is he trying to be yeah. ironic there? Um, right. And right before that cowboy mentions that, um, we're doing kind of, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but we're kind of doing real fighting here. Kind of, uh, this is kind of what what we're what I was looking for. Um, th- that's kind of a reference to it actually being city fighting. Okay, so you know maybe his parents, his dad, or somebody fought in Italy, for example, in World War II, right? Yeah. And it's city urban warfare. Um, whereas in Vietnam, that is not happening all that often at all. And in Hue, it is happening you know, for 24 days, uh, quite a bit. Right, so the so the, the Lust Hog Squad is heading towards the Pearl River to confirm reports of an NVA pullout. And, uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a, the tension is really good in this. It, you know, you feel the kind of the, that kind of house by house fighting uh, that the, the, the dread and the angst that, that, that um, people who have been in those kind of super close uh, quarters combat like have have described them um, in one kind of scene uh, there's a stuffed animal there and um, uh, it's booby trapped and they pick it up and uh, uh, a soldier's killed did you intentionally skip over the second prostitute scene we can we can go. Does that was that in the? I thought that was after this. Was it's before? Right there's before, another right before. There's, right before that. There's yeah. another sex trafficking scene. Um, 
that uh, uh, this this is the one where the um, uh, is the, Arvin, the Arvin commander Arvin officer brings him up brings her up um, right to kind of parade in front of the soldiers um, and oh yeah fifteen in front of like a cinema or something right right yeah kind of this blown out yeah cinema um, and you see a bit of racial tension here in this scene um, with animal which I I will not quote this one <laughs> this line of his uh, but. Um, you know who's gonna get to go first and blah 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 and uh yeah another pretty famous line um that <laughs> i'm not gonna repeat unless it's on your you got the the drop of that one in there yeah the the uh um yeah that's true we do get we do get quite a uh quite the uh um race and sex uh lots of essentializing the first one go going on about the uh, yeah, um, she's not gonna sleep soul, with the so, yeah. soul, soul brother, is what they say. Soul brother, <laughs> not gonna sleep. With yeah, the soul that's brother. right. Uh, that's right. Tubuku. Um, Tubuku. Yeah, well, if you for those, yeah, yeah. Google Tubuku. Yeah, that, that one's, uh, yeah. It's a Google translate one, that. Still good. <laughs> so, yeah, don't Google that. Um, so uh, the the Lost Hog Squad is is out. Um, one of the one of the uh, kind of we're heading towards the sort of the major denouement of the movie. Uh, where um, uh, a sniper is menacing the the squad as they're kind of walking through the kind of the the, the boulevard of the yeah, city. Yeah, they've gotten a bit lost. Um, they, oh, which right. is, which is has did happen to you know different different groups and squads and um, in Hue. Right, because they're, they're supposed to re- re- confirm this. The, the NBA is pulling out, but they got mm-hmm. they went the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. They went too far. So. Yep. So they and they got to okay, backtrack across. They got to cut back across way this industrial part of way. Let's right? let's cut through this. Let's cut through this area that's you know former boulevard. Maybe it's just kind of rubble at this point, um, and that's the fastest route. But uh, who was it? Was it eight ball uh, that? Yeah, eight ball gets shot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so a sniper shoots eight ball, and these are these are again great Kubrick sort of slow motion um, dramatic. Um, uh, very realistic. I've been I've been watching watching a lot of 1950s westerns with my uh, infirm father, and the 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 let's just say the um, gunplay and shooting is not nearly as realistic as uh, Stanley Kubrick. So um, the this eight ball is hit, and he's laying yeah. in the street. Should we and, go get him? Um, Should we not? You know, Cowboys trying to call in. Oh, here we go. We got to do it now. This is Let's Cowboy. Get ready to move. Wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. Nobody's pulling out. There's only one fucking sniper out there. Back off, mother. I'm calling the plays. I say we're pulling out. Yeah, well, what about Doc J and 8-Ball? I know it's a shitty thing to do, but we can't refuse to accept the situation. Yeah, well, we're not leaving Doc J and 8-Ball out there. Doc J and 8-Ball are wasted. So Doc you J know, went to man. get 8-Ball and is also shot. In a super slow mo. Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) They waste a lot of ammo here. Everyone shoot at the same time. (laughs) Also a big part of way though, right? It's part of the uh, the field manual that they're following is is the direct route is the best, right? So. 
that's why they're blowing through walls. That's why they're they're breaking down doors. That's why because they're not don't go around things. Go through them. Um, and so that's that's why what you're seeing there is is would have been pretty realistic. Yeah, and the uh, and and uh, you know these the the soldiers are they uh, they feel towards their uh, fellow uh, fellow soldiers, but they defy orders. They go out and try to help the soldier who the sniper is using as bait. Um, shoot one in the in the open. And when the next one comes yeah, to get pull him in the leg, get out. him in the arm, so he's kind of writhing there. He doesn't, yeah. so he's still moving. Right, entice the next one to come out, and then you'll, then you'll have two, then three, then, because uh, you know you you never leave a man behind. So they're uh, the the they know this, and they um, they hit them where they're weakest. So animal mother races in, um, and the squad follows. And that was the clip that uh, uh, Engineer Troy sh- pulled up for us, and um, and they, you know, the, the sniper kills the soldiers um, who who had been hit earlier, um, and uh, Cowboy gets on the radio and calls in, calls in tank support to come and um, to sort of blow through this section and, and lead the way, um, and as he's on the radio, mm-hmm. um, which he thinks is yeah, uh, this is a great. Great image, great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get from the the point of view of the sniper, you can see that they can see Cowboy through that a kind of an, a blast hole in one of the walls, and you know, a perfect shot and hits Cowboy as he's on the radio, um, and he he is hit and dies, and so um, then um, kind of all hell and breaks that, that's loose. probably the most humanity uh, you know we see from maybe not the most, but. We don't get to know a lot of these characters all that well, but that d- scene where Cowboy is kind of in his last breaths um, yeah. is is probably the most human, maybe that the the film gets and attempts to get. I would say at least. I don't know if you. Yeah, there's the not a lot of character development in this um, in, in in this movie. Um, maybe that's not what it's trying to do. But they. But you even see that uh, um, Modine is is you know they're they're all like let's go let's go get this sniper. Um, and so they send out, yep. and they're gonna they're gonna flank and um, uh, yeah, and so split up, yeah, sorry, right, split up, and they're gonna go find this sniper, and so they're they're headed through this um, you know, this kind of industrial warehouse, um, multi-story building, and uh, flames flickering all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's very they've gussied it up with sort of you know, kind of faux Vietnamese looking. Um, accoutrement on there, in in the building, and then um, we're sort of sort of the the uh, another major scene of the movie. There he comes face to face with the sniper. Is this Kubrick's daughter? Is this the soundtrack? The yes, yeah, she did that. This reminded me of Apocalypse Now, of some of the sort of the nighttime scenes, like the, you know. Whoa, whoa, we're not there yet. We haven't done that movie yet. I know, but they've seen Apocalypse Now. The, but some of the, f- the flames <laughs> flickering and the, um, it's a pretty, gr- it's a pretty great. Um, uh, yeah. It, bu- it builds, it builds tension. Um, oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. you know who who has the drop on who we don't know. Um. And his gun jams, right? Um, is that what happens? It was a little unclear. Is it jammed or did he not 
have full ammo there. I couldn't tell. We're, we're about to find out. So m- we watch uh, we watch Modine hunker down, and he's sort of crouching and 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 going to the window that he thinks the sniper must be shooting from because they they saw bullet flashes from the second or third story. Yeah. So he's creeping there, and uh, he peeks around a post, and um, he catches sight of a kind of a silhouette in the background, and his gun jams. Yeah, you're right. His M16, which classically jams. Um, and the sniper, she shoot an AK there, Troy? No, she is not. <laughs> She's shooting a Czech-made VZ-58. Okay. To be correct. That's a, that was the classic sniper rifle? It, it was for the higher officers, actually. I guess they, they actually were issued those, but normally it was a, you know, a Russian-made AK-47, but in this case it was a VZ-58. So, so... His gun jams, uh, the sniper um, uh, it has the drop on him, and as, as she's about to outflank him, um, the, the, the rest of the, 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 the flanking um, American soldiers come and shoot her, and we might say Raptor it's the first Man. time. What's that? Yeah, was, was it Raptor Man? Um, Raptor Man. Yeah. And this is a, the, the sniper is a, is a teenage girl with ponytails. Um, that's sort of one of the sort of the big reveals of the movie that this is a this is a child um, there. They shoot her repeatedly, and in a in a, a, a very kind of um, awkward, um, um, you know, eerie scene um, when she's she's laying there, dying and gasping. Hey, asshole! Yeah. Cowboys yeah here we go. Wasted. You're fresh out of friends. So they're standing I'm around her corpse. Now, and I say we leave the coop for the mother loving rats. So she's not dead, but they're trying to decide what should we do. I'm not trying to run the squad. Joker. I'm just saying we can't leave her like this. It seems like this scene lasts for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's probably 90 seconds, but it's like the tension is so high. Yeah, and so this, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to watch, you know, this um, dying, bleeding mm-hmm. teenager <laughs> on the ground. And, you want uh, Wister? Go on. So yeah, so we'll um, so Mo, so Modine um, he he shoots her, um, not in the Geneva Convention, but he uh, kills uh, kills her, put her out of her misery, and um, right. and it's kind of the kind of the, the final big character yeah. scene in the movie. And if we're referencing Apocalypse Now, I think this that's is an apocalypse now ish uh sort of feel that part of the of the film um where it's just that kind of it's just dark tense disturbing and it's not going to let you go yet you know you want the scene to end but it's it's going to keep you hanging there for a minute yeah that's right so the lust hog squad 
marching out of Huey. Yep. And uh, this juxtaposition is pretty great. Is it's it night? It's, yeah. n- it's nighttime. Fires light the sky, the buildings, and uh, it's a great Kubrick scene. Um, you know, the the the, <laughs> the city's burning. The soldiers chanting the Mickey Mouse Club. For older viewers, Matt, are you too old for the Mickey Mouse Club? Uh, well, I think I'm the same age as Britney Spears, right? So we're all too young for the Mickey Mouse Club, pretty much. That's a we've different. That's a different Mickey reruns. Mouse Club. Yeah. I'm so happy that I'm alive. Uh, Justin Timberlake was in it. Christina Aguilera, right? All no, 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 no. This is Annette yes. Cello. That's that's the. the this is and, not. And Bobby and Cubby. Yeah. That is definitely true. Oh, that's it true. did run that far, but yeah, this is the Bobby and Cubby days. And this, then is, this, is, this is o- oh, this is OG Mickey Mouse Club. How dare you? OG. So yeah, so the uh, uh, the, bo- the the music fades out. The movie fades out. Um, they're headed uh, marching towards the Perfume River. Um, oh yeah, and then we get uh, in the credits, and I know you've got this right. Got that. Paint it black. Stones. Thank you. We'd like to do one. Cool paints it black. I see a red door and yeah, so so this this film has you know does a great job of uh, bringing together you know this is a this is a high point in. Uh, American rock and roll and political music, and uh, so they, they do a great job yep. of, of of drawing on all that. So, um, Matt, what are some what are some of the other things we need to be thinking about when we think about uh, Full Metal Jacket? And sure. So we 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 heard that clip from um, uh, Cronkite a little earlier, uh, and and Cronkite, you know, nowadays we're in kind of oversaturated uh, yeah. media world where y- you can get any news that you want to get uh, at, a, at a click. Uh, back then, it was certainly quite different. And Quon- Quonkite? Cronkite <laughs> uh, spoke to... Have you been drinking vodka? Uh, no, 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 no. Just Two, uh, three the champagne fingers, whatever it takes. Um, <laughs> um, spo- you know, millions and millions a night, uh, Walter Cronkite. And when and he went to, went to Huey during Tet and came back and he, he, he gave that sort of pronouncement that this is a, an utter stalemate. And that is, you know, from what we've been hearing, very different. Now, you know, if you read actual government documents, uh, even, even going back years, um, it was never as rosy a picture as the public pronouncements were from government officials. Um, right. They but knew. The, Public opinion had been trending against the war, and the fact that you know the embassy is taken, although briefly, uh, the fact that uh, Huey is a 24-day battle, um, it seems like okay, maybe maybe this isn't something we can win, um, and so I think that's pretty significant. Um, it's significant also in the fact that. The goal of North Vietnam and the Viet Cong is to kind of get this general uprising, right? We're going to go into these cities and the, we're going to liberate the, the people and they're going to kind of rise with us and kind of overthrow the 
South Vietnamese government and kick the Americans out. That, of course, doesn't happen. Um, so that is a failure. Viet Cong forces are utterly decimated and destroyed during Tet. From this point on, most of the fighting is done by northern soldiers as opposed to Viet Cong, which is kind of maybe if you want to break it into halves and have Tet be your halfway point, um, you, could, you could maybe do that. Um, but it's a political victory for them, for sure. And a, and a political victory in, in, in also in that uh, um, in the aftermath of, of, of Tet and, and among other, um, uh, Lyndon Johnson will decide not to run for uh, re-election. America's future under challenge right here at home with our hopes and the world's hopes for peace and the balance it's a news conference every day by LBJ. I do not believe that I should devote an hour or a day of my time to any personal partisan causes or to any duties other. It says 52 years awesome ago tonight. duties of this office, the presidency of your country. Accordingly, I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. But let men everywhere know, however, that a strong and a confident and a vigilant America stands ready tonight to seek an honorable peace and stands ready tonight to defend an honored cause, whatever the price, whatever the burden, whatever so the So here we sacrifice. have what is, could have been possibly one of America's greatest presidents, you know, Great Society, Civil Rights Act. Um, the Vietnam War has, has um, made him withdraw from his own, um, his own second yeah. full term. Mind blower. Mind blower for sure. Um, and he's going to... I mean, he's not running. I mean, that is, it, I, it's kind of nothing to compare it to, you know, in, in recent times, really. So, yeah, I mean, um, in, incumbents win re-election, and wartime presidents certainly win re-election. So this is mm-hmm. like, yeah, right. But when he when he realizes he's he's struggling against some more dovish uh, candidates uh, like Eugene McCarthy, and then um, Bobby Kennedy jumps into the race, uh, he yeah. and this is. You know, all kind of in the aftermath of all this um, of Tet, that maybe things have changed a bit here, um, which is sort of the thesis, if I will, get to my get to our book of the week. Book, book of the week. week. <laughs> <laughs> book of the week is Quay, nineteen sixty-eight. Turning Point in America, American War in Vietnam, Mark Bowden, who's the author of Black Hawk Down. There are a few books on that focus specifically on Hue. This one, I think for our purposes, since we're talking about Full Metal Jacket and what we see in Full Metal Jacket is really the grunts on the ground, if you will. This book does a really good job and really excels in giving that sort of blow-by-blow you know, hour by hour account uh, of Hue. You know, this is a thick sucker, 500 and something pages. Um, 
that's where it excels. So if you, um, you know, it's uh, popular history. He's a journalist, not a trained historian. Um, so, of course, I complain that their footnotes suck. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, it is what it is. Um, it's well written, though. That he, uh, well written, and for that, I, I mean, it, the way it's written, it's, it is well written. You know, it's the kind of thing where you can almost smell the smells and see the sights kind of as you're going along, okay? I think where he maybe comes up a bit more short is um, in the more broad um, uh, pronouncements he makes about kind of what, you know, what are policymakers thinking and what are generals thinking. That is uh, up for much more uh, debate. You know, Hui is a turning point. I think in some ways it was because for, for some of the reasons we already talked about, um, it signified to the American public that things were maybe not going how we thought they were. Um, but people in policymakers, you know, after Huey, after Tet, it wasn't all that different, right? The the status on the ground wasn't wasn't all that changed. Okay, and in terms of military, uh, the United States and South Vietnamese forces were successful uh, during Tet. During Tet, um, after all is said and done. I mean, I'm being, uh, I'm being told by Troy, we've got a, uh, we've got a clip from that book, Nat, uh, here, uh, a Johnson quote. Go ahead, Troy. Hello. Hello. Uh, Mr. Hager? Yes, this is Joe Hager. Uh, Joe, uh, uh, is your father the one that uh, makes uh, clothes? Yes, sir. This is LBJ. All you all made me some real lightweight slacks uh, <laughs> uh, that he just made up on his own, sent to me three or four months ago. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Kind of a he did not. light brown and a light This is right after he received news of the attack. Green and soft brown. <laughs> now, I need about six pairs for summer wear. Yes, sir. I need six about pairs. six pairs to wear around. Uh, this is an actual recording, folks, forward. of LBJ and ordering pants right after Tet. I want them half an inch larger in the waist than they were before, <laughs> except I want two right. or three inches of stuff like left back in there so I can take them up. I vary 10 to 15 <laughs> pounds a month. <laughs> 10 or 15 pounds a month? Leave me at least. Is he a wrestler? <laughs> what, what is the deal? What are you doing? And put it, make things a half inch bigger in the waist. Okay. Make the pockets at least an inch longer. Why? Money, uh, my money you my need the deep pockets. Why, <laughs> why are you carrying a knife? You're the President of the United Hello. States. Hello. Now, Secret Service, maybe, is the day off? Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me an inch that I can let out there. <laughs> Uh, because they cut me. It's just like riding a, a wire fence. These are almost these are the best that I've had anywhere in the United States. But uh, uh, when I gain a little weight, they cut me under there. So leave me. Uh, you never do have much margin there. Let's see if you can't leave me about an no. inch from the, where the zipper is. Is he burping constantly and, too? And uh, <laughs> round, uh, under my that could be my me. Bubble. I don't know. Uh, so I can let it out there if I need to. Uh. Well, that seems like that seems like a good enough time as any to to wrap it up. Uh, and we digress. <laughs> for uh, for uh, let me throw let me throw in yeah, um, yes. Vietnam War on film. David uh, Lurson also is a is a companion that I've been using off and on throughout the time we've been doing these podcasts. So I just want to also give um, give David some props for his uh, useful book there. 
Okay, and we also need to give uh, Full Metal Jacket our um, our dong rating. Matt, how many dong, which is the Vietnamese currency, of course, how many dong are you giving this film out of 10? I, I think I fall similarly to many of the critics um, of the film that kind of rated the first half uh, as better than the, se- and then the second half. Um, if I had, uh, you know... The the so 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 you, you give the, you give the you give the boot camp section how many dong? Uh, boot camp section I would give uh, I would give maybe eight and a half dong, and um, and then the the I guess the two th- remaining two thirds or so um, in Vietnam maybe about seven seven and a half I guess why don't we cumulatively give it give it an eight dong rating? Okay, Matt, uh, eight dong. Uh, you just gave them the equivalent of point zero 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 three U.S. dollars. Um, okay, well, that's not going to get me very far. In the dong world, um, I'll give this. Uh, I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this eight and a half dong. I like the. Uh, uh, I think again the the if you compare it to um, a film like Platoon, where the 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 actual in country fighting stuff is 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 so heavy and intense um this this pales in comparison because it's really as much about the pre the uh, boot camp experience um so i'm going to give eight and a half troy what do you think what do you come in well when i like to give my dong uh i'd like to give it eight but sometimes you know i can't but in this case i'm gonna still give it eight (laughs) (laughs) well eight's a lot so um eight is enough as the television show taught us uh Okay, so we're uh, we're uh, we're we're running in some of the averages somewhere in eight. So that that's 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 pretty good, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good good film. So for uh, for Napalm in the morning, I've been Eric Jones, and you are. I currently am Mad Yagel. and I'm Troy Fisher, <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Bye.